have moved from giving thanks, that is, giving a praise for what he has done, what he does and is doing, into worship, which is giving him praise for who he is. Amen. He is holy. The word holy is a superlative like none other. It means altogether separate. It means totally pure without blemish. It is means set apart. It's a superlative that you can't... You can say holier, and that doesn't express who God is. You can say holiest, and that doesn't get the job done. But you can, you can modify the word holy by adding another word, holy. He isn't just holy, but He is holy, holy. And He's not just holy, holy. He is holy, holy, holy. If you check that passage out in Revelation, the angels... The seraphim that are around his throne uh, in your Bible says they say, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. But you check the margin, the original manuscripts, they're saying it nine times. He isn't just holy, 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 but he is holy, 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 holy. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is holy, holy, holy as the Father. Holy, holy, holy as the Son. Holy, holy, holy as the Spirit. Who was and is and is to come. He is holy, holy, holy in the past. He is holy, holy, holy in the present. And He is holy, holy, holy in the future. Thank you, Lord. good news today. We have very good news today. If you do not know this God who is holy, 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 He is here drawing you to Himself, revealing Himself to you. The Bible says that this holy, holy God gave His only Son so that whoever would believe in Him could have eternal life. God gave His Son as an offering to come and live a perfect life on earth. And we, humanity, are so sinful, we killed Him. God allowed it to happen so that His Son would be an offering or a substitute, that is, one who would pay the penalty for our sin because the wages of sin is separation from God, and separation from God is eternal death. And He came to pay that price because He loves you and I. But He didn't stop there. He arose from the dead to be our Savior, that we can call on His name and receive the benefits of His life, His death, and His resurrection. Aren't you glad about it? And you can begin that walk by just praying a prayer like this. Jesus, I call on Your name. I ask You to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me God's child. I believe that You died for me. And I believe that you have risen from the dead. I believe that you have risen from the dead. It starts out just that simple. If you find yourself beginning to believe these things that you hear, like I'm sharing when you come to church, the thing that is happening is your heart in your heart is God has given you the ability to believe that which is impossible to believe. It's called saving faith. By grace are we saved through faith, 
And that faith is not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. God has given you a gift. Receive it and step out on it and call on His name. Amen. Are you glad for this God who's our Savior? Amen. Thank you so much. Luke chapter 10, verse 25, says, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? Typical Jewish man, he likes to answer questions with questions. You share that with a Jewish person sometimes, they may say, we answer questions with questions, do we? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, meaning the lawyer, the gentleman wanting to trip him up, wanting to justify himself because those very commands convicted him. He said to Jesus, but who is my neighbor? You know, this is typical human disobedience. We sidetrack obedience to the Scriptures by turning the Scriptures into a song or turning the commands of Christ into a Bible study or turning them into a book or putting them on a plaque on the wall, anything but living them out. Imagine with me if you told your child, clean your room. Two hours later, you check on the child and the room has not been clean. And the child says, Mama or Daddy, I've taken what you told me seriously. And I've looked up in the dictionary all the meanings of the word clean. And I've looked at the mortgage on this house, and it's questionable whether or not this really is my room. And I'm online right now in a chat room, and we are studying the full ramifications of cleaning my room. Would that be cleaning their room? No. You can repeat a command. You can quote Scripture, and that's great. But somewhere along the line, the Word of God's got to, come, got to move from our talking into our walking. Amen. And so here he is being convicted, no doubt, by, this, by the scripture he just quoted that said, love your neighbor as yourself, and he didn't do that. So he wanted to distinguish who is his neighbor. Is it the person that just lives next door to me? God forbid it that it should be someone of a race that I don't care for. And so Jesus tells him a story that hits him between the eyes, and it hits us, it hits me between the eyes every time I read it. Verse 30, he answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Let me tell you, that is not an easy road. The Holy Land is an easy street. If you go there, those people were tough. So he's traveling this tough journey from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among some thieves. That means they got a hold of him and he fell down. They stripped him of his clothes. They wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. So there he is. Not totally conscious, not fully alive, bleeding, wounded, unclothed, and dirt poor, in bad shape. Verse 31, now by chance a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. 
This is the dodge I call, it's not my ministry dodge. I'm the priest after all. I'm called to minister in the temple, not some guy on the side of a road. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. Now, it's interesting. He came up to the guy and looks at him, gets a better glimpse of him, and passes by on the other side. I call this dodge the it's-not-my-job dodge. You know, the government's got to do something about this problem. You know, where are the police at when you need them kind of deal. Um, <coughs> verse 33, but a certain Samaritan. Samaritans were looked down upon by the Jews in that day. They were half-breeds. They were not fully Jewish. And, and it says, as he journeyed, he came where this wounded guy was. And when he saw him, <coughs> he had compassion. The other two dodged, but he had compassion. Compassion moves beyond just sympathy, moves beyond just thinking, boy, poor guy, I'm glad it wasn't me. It moves into the realm of, can somebody get me some water? Have compassion on the man. <coughs> moves beyond, if you've had your shots, I'll drink your water. It moves beyond just sympathy to a desire to do something about the problem. Thank you so much. Moves beyond just thinking, boy, I'm glad I've got some water to drink, to actually giving some water to drink. Moves beyond. Moves beyond feeling sorry for someone. Moves into doing something about it, all right? So he saw with eyes that created compassion in his heart. Thank you. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Now notice, this means that when he was traveling down the road, he had an animal with him. A donkey, a burro, a horse, a goat, something that you could ride on. Either he was riding this animal, or this animal was loaded down with products, loaded down with baggage. Which means he either started walking and let the guy ride on his animal, or he started carrying and let the guy ride on his animal. This guy went out of his way to help somebody. Not only that, he used some of his oil and wine to dress this guy's wounds. Wine for the antiseptic possibilities of the acid and the alcohol that's in wine, as well as oil for the soothing qualities of oil to help this guy feel better. And he bandaged his wounds. Where did he get the bandages? The people in those days just, just run around with, with a pack of bandages. Oh, I'm fresh out of bandages. No, he probably took some valuable piece of fabric that he had. Because this guy didn't have any bandages on him. He was naked. So he went out of his way to help somebody and spent of his resources. And he didn't stop there. He took him to an inn and took care of him in a Motel 6. Verse 35, on the other hand, on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, that's like two, two big days wages, and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of them, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I'll repay you. So he puts his money on the line, and he puts his name on the line. I'll stand for even more than this if you need it. 
And then Jesus turns the question on him to who is my neighbor to this question. Turns the question, who is my neighbor, around to this question. Verse 36. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? In other words, not who is my neighbor, but who can I be a neighbor to? Which one was neighbor to the guy that was robbed? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you'd speak to us from your word in the next few minutes in ways that only you can. Lord, I I invite you to burst through the defenses of my heart and all the defenses and the what-ifs and the buts and the, the dodges that we have built into our psyche, Lord, that keep us out of the realm of obedience to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Speak to you more on the theme of love. Today is love wills, love works, love wins. Can we say that? Love wills, love works, and love wins. First, love wills. Love is a willingness to be hurt to help. A willingness to be hurt to help. Sometimes you're not hurt to somebody. Sometimes helping someone doesn't hurt you, but helping someone oftentimes puts you in harm's way so you could be hurt. Uh, Ken Smith shared with me last Sunday that he had a friend that was kind of a good Samaritan that made it a habit of pulling off on the, pulling on, off on the side of the road to help people who were broke down and uh, enjoyed that, experienced that. That was one of his ministries. And one day, one of the people he helped killed him dead so what do we do say oh my goodness let's not help anybody we can't if we do that the enemy has won that guy's going on to his reward i mean we'll all know who he is one day what a way to go he'll never die in a nursing home i mean look on the bright side here love is a willingness to be heard to help This Samaritan and the priest and the Levite faced risk to help this guy, and only one guy put his neck on the line. I mean, this wounded man could have been bait for more robberies, you know? Who knows knows if they're not still behind the bushes waiting to attack me if I stop to help their latest victim? So he took the risk. Willingness to be hurt to help. Aren't you glad Jesus was willing to be hurt to help us? I love this latest painting by Kathy Quest. The scripture that goes with this is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. tells us to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. For the joy that was set before him, he was willing to be hurt to experience that joy. If you notice on the right side of the picture, The gold color represents joy, the joy that's before him. Uh, Heaven has streets of gold. Gold is symbolic of riches and prosperity. So for the blessing that was ahead of him, he endured the cross. The colors to the left of him, reds and uh, other hues, blues, symbolizing the bruising and the bleeding of Jesus that he went through for the joy that was set before him. Despising the shame, the verse goes on to say was not a pleasant thing. But he was willing to hurt so he could be helped. So he could help or become helped to us. He was willing to be hurt to be helped. Love wills to help meet needs. Love wills to help meet needs. 
the world, pop culture, really doesn't know what love is. Those popular magazines you see in the grocery line and in the magazine racks at Wally World is a demonstration. Our culture doesn't have a grasp on what what love is. You know, men turn turn 40 years old, they trade in their wife for 220s. their love is short-lived. It's, it's erotic love, but it's not, it's not agape love. The biblical uh, picture of love is a commitment for life on the part of both parties. It takes two to make a marriage. And if both people are equally committed to that marriage, that marriage will work, come through hell or high water. Love wills to help meet needs. And so if you love your spouse, if you love your neighbor, and you see a need, your will will be. To do something about it. It all starts at the level of the will. Philippians 2. I think this parallels with the passage we just read in Hebrews 12. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't say work for your salvation, but work it out. Why were you saved? Work it out. It is serious business. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. He's at work in us to give us the will to do his good pleasure. Now notice the word his is in in italics because it's not in the original. The word for good pleasure is a combination of two words, you meaning good and dokia, which means will, it means uh, purpose, And so if Jesus suffered for the joy that was set before him, sometimes we have to go through things for the purpose that is before us. So in that sense, it's our good pleasure for the joy that is set before us. The fulfillment of my calling on the earth is to express the love of God everywhere I have an opportunity. You see that? Have you ever helped somebody and it really cost you, but you you, you could feel the pleasure of God in your bones? It was just exciting. I believe this is what this is talking about. Love wills. Love wills to work for what is loved. In the Bible, there's a story of a young man named Jacob who went to visit his uncle and fell in love with his uncle's daughter. I tell you, the Bible doesn't hide any warts in people's lives. But his uncle says, you can have your first cousin as a wife. I mean, that's basically what he said. But you've got to work for me for seven years. So he worked, and the Bible says that those seven years didn't seem like seven years because he was looking forward to the joy that was before him. And his uncle ripped him off by giving his nephew, his daughter Leah, instead of Rachel, the one he wanted, and he had to work seven more years. So 14 years to get the wife he actually wanted. Because when you really love, you'll work. You'll go for it. You We'll go for it. I think God gives us children to teach us how to love, how to, how, how to be selfless. God knows there's been many a selfish man who becomes a father who absolutely lays down his life for someone else for the first time in his life. That's what love is. Being willing to work for those we love. So if we're to love our neighbor, we've got to be willing to meet their needs, be willing to work for them, be willing to hurt to help them. And you know what? Every bridge we build, sooner or later, will become a bridge that we'll need one day. 
Well, I don't want to depend on anybody. I don't want anybody depending on me. And we live like turtles trapped on our shells. But I tell you, in the day in which we live where there's disasters and calamities that cannot always be predicted, you cannot be an island. We need one another. So love wills to work for what is love. Love works. And you know what? Religion is useless if it does not work. All we do is have rituals and classes and sermonettes for the Christianettes who worship their Corvettes. No, I'm teasing. I'd love to, I'd love to have a Corvette. The Bible says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Many times I think the Christian faith is known for what we're against. And I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead. Watch this. Like a car that doesn't drive. A traveler who never leaves town. Or paint that is never used. So is the man of faith who does no good deeds. A light without power. A well without water. Faith without works. These are all the same. Food that never reaches the hungry. A cure never administered. Love never shared. Faith without action. How can these things change the world? Sometimes the communicator uses sarcasm to get a point across. So I don't want to, to take what I'm about to say to seem mean, but I want it to drive a point home. Some would take this sermon as, it looks like Generations Church is getting into the social gospel. The gospel affects every area of life. There is no... Baptist gospel and Lutheran gospel and Methodist. There is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel is to continue the ministry he began. And if you read Isaiah 61, which he came to fulfill, it's to bind up the brokenhearted. It's to heal the, the wound. He himself said on judgment day, God will separate the sheep from the goats. And tell the goats, I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was hungry, you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you did not give me drink. I was in prison and you didn't visit me. I was sick and you didn't come see me. They'll say, when did we see you like this? He says, in as much as you did it not to the least of these, you did it not to me. Faith without works is dead. Faith does not win battles without love. I mean, everybody wants to be, who wants to be victorious spiritually? 
We all do. The Bible says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Faith is powerful. There's entire ministries built around faith to help us keep our faith strong. But without love, it's meaningless. Because faith, the Bible says, works by love. So love is the foundation of faith. Faith does not win battles without love. Love wins. Win. It's a win-win situation. Love wins when we love. Go and do likewise, Jesus said. Love wins when we lay our lives down. Go and do likewise. If this was you, what would you do? That was a dumb thing to say. Look, look, man, I'm sorry, all right? Sorry? Yeah, man, I'm sorry, all right? You don't look sorry. Just leave me alone. Come on, man, chill. You know I didn't mean it. Dumb football players, huh? I'm sorry, all right? Is that what you mean? You feel it? Get off! Ah, come on, man, stop! when we lay our lives down. Let's pray. Lord, I ask you to speak to our hearts. Be ready, Lord, to lay our lives down when you show us opportunities. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm about to share an opportunity with you that everyone will not be able to take part in, but I'm telling you, some of us will be able. Some of us will be able. It's an incredible opportunity reaching out to the 25% that we mentioned earlier in the sermon. Kids Armor of Hope is a ministry founded by a team of people that had a burden for the next generation. Jeff Jeffries is one of the leaders of that, and he's with us today. And their logo is the starfish. Remember the parable of the starfish? The guy walking along the beach, and there was just millions of starfish as far as the eye could see washed up, and he's throwing them back in the ocean as fast as he can. And someone stops him and says, give up. Give up. You're not making a difference. There's too many of them. And he didn't stop. And as he continued throwing them in, he says, I can make a difference for this one, and I'll make a difference for this one, and I'll make a difference for that one. Kids Armor Hope is an amazing ministry. And one of their primary things they do is a kids camp every year in our area for 150 children. And this year, our own Laura Duncan will be one of the speakers ministering at this. But there's a need for 90 people to help pull this thing off. And so right now, Jeff Jeffries, come and tell us about the Royal Family Kids Camp. 
what Pastor Ladder wanted me to, to tell you. Uh, he called me this weekend. He said, we have a win-win situation. Well, I was on the phone. I didn't know how he was spelling win-win. But, you know, when I saw it up here this morning, I said, hmm, that makes a difference. So, yeah, we have an opportunity to win, and the opportunity is, is now, W-H-E-N-N, W-H-E-N. Due to the encouragement and overwhelming community support, we started Kids Armor of Hope in November 2009. Uh, since 2007, there have been over 1,300 cases of reported child abuse in Hood County. Just last year alone, in 2010, there were 290 confirmed cases of child abuse. Hood County is one of very few counties in the state of Texas that has a full investigative team, and that's all they investigate is crimes against children. Uh, <clears throat> Rob Christian, the district attorney, is one of our board of directors. <clears throat> Foster parents have said that they're amazed at, at how the children are affected after one week at camp. So here's the win. Here's the people say, well, what can we do? You can volunteer for camp. And this year, when we come back from camp in August, we're starting up a mentoring program. You can mentor the children at camp. Uh, and that, that mentoring program calls for you to spend one hour a week, four hours a month, with, with a, a given child. There'll be, you'll be trained. Uh, there, there's activities that, that you can do uh, during a mentoring program, and we guarantee it'll be life-changing. You know, like, like he said, you know, we need we need bodies. Uh, Laura Duncan will be our. It's a, it's a faith. We're a faith-based organization. There's a Bible story told every day, and there there are five themes that that the camp is based on. Every year we 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 change, we rotate these five themes. And there's a story of Esther. There's a uh, called there's one theme called the sheepfold, and it's basically talking about Jesus as the shepherd. Uh, there's one, it's the Olympics. One is children under construction, which, you know, every every year we, we try to build up their self-esteem. This year's theme is the journey of Joseph. And who better can these children relate to than Joseph? You know, there are things that, that, that can be done to help these children turn their lives around. And uh, hopefully uh, we can... We can count on you to, to help us do that this year. Thank you so much, Jeff. Um, um, in, the, in the bulletin is a, a reduced copy. Everybody's bulletin has a copy of that little poster that we had promoting the camps and counselors. And so check that out. You can get a hold of Jeff through the information of that. But Jeff's also you're going to be able to, be able to hang out after our meeting. Yeah, yeah, so he's going to hang out afterwards so you can meet him and ask him your questions. But it's basically a camp as well as a mentoring program. You could do either one or both. Uh, but right now, camp is the pressing issue. And then there's that whole new golf thing, which is kind of cool. So that's cool, man. Let's show our appreciation to him again. <laughs> Pastor Shake Anderson's coming to wrap this up with his song, Medicine for Someone Else. The lyrics are, Take the trials you've been through and all the times life made you blue. 
search down deep within yourself and make it medicine for someone else. Share the joys you wish you'd known. Hold on to the tears that you have shed. Bottle them with care as though for someone else and make it medicine for someone else. You've got to go on, and it's hard, I know. Sometimes the way we see it grow is for you not to take it personal because it's not about yourself when you've suffered for someone else. Share all the battles, good and bad, the hardest trials you ever had. Take those trophies off that shelf. Make it medicine for someone else. Pastor Shake. Sometimes the way we see love grow. 
he enables you. In Jesus' name, amen.